Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. And well, good morning, church family. Thanks for being here today as we continue our One Thing journey and our series this year that we started out this year, our theme for the year, we're calling it One Thing. And just to review, to reorient where we are in this, we started week one answering that call we found in Psalm 27 verse 4 where the uh, psalmist is praying, Lord, one thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And that phrase Really, it's a picture of the presence of God and his passion to, to just be with the Lord, be in his presence, and to seek you in your temple. And it's this picture of worship the, uh, that this year we're praying might be a year where in each one of our lives we're pursuing him as our one thing, that our lives are really a posture of worship, of praise, of thanksgiving, and surrender to his will. And so we're encouraging each other in that. The, uh, these cards are in the back. If you did not get one of these and would appreciate this. This has been helpful for me. I stick it on the nightstand, and it's got the uh, one thing, but also this verse, Psalm 27, 4, that, that we're memorizing this month and just letting it be part of our soul. The other thing that has been really helpful for me is Abby posted this on our uh, Facebook and Twitter, but it's a picture of the one thing image here that you can put as your, your screensaver, and it hits me. This is probably the thing I look at most in the day and, and just reminds me, to uh, dwell in his presence as I, I go throughout the day. Just to review quickly, in case you missed a, a week, there, we're kind of building. Next Sunday is the summit of, of this series. So next week is a message you do not want to miss in terms of, of where we're going with this series. But on week, week one, we introduced the theme. Week two is about worship. Now, as those of you who have been a part of our church for a while, we, we this time of year, we, we rally around our mission, which is becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. And what's that look like? It's someone who is worshiping, reaching, connecting, growing, and serving. So we, we're going after how one thing um, really fuels all of these pursuits as we follow Christ. Week one was about worship, and we talked about God has given us 150 songs from heaven that one guy said, the Psalms are the, the wings of the soul. That enable us to mount up out of this dusty, messed up, gloomy existence down here on earth where the curse is present and breathe the air of heaven. And as we download these songs and then let them be the soundtrack by which we, we do life. And so we started with Psalm 100 as an illustration. And I was, had breakfast with a guy this week that said, I've been soundtracking Psalm 100 and I was out on my mower and tempted to get a negative thought. And here comes Psalm 100. 100, you know, and lifting me up out of the negativity, and that's what God intends. So that's how we live a life of worship, soundtracking His Word, renewing our mind. Week two, we, we went after the idea of reach, and this, what, what God calls us into, Jesus said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So we're going to be compassionate witnesses, bold witnesses, but how do we do that, and how does one thing play into that? And we watched Isaiah, we relived that moment where Isaiah, before God sent him out with the message, brought him into his presence to dwell, to worship. 
And how did Isaiah get the guts and the boldness to go out into Israel with the message and present this message for his lifetime? God gave him a glimpse of his glory and a taste of his grace. A glimpse of glory, a taste of grace, and we get fueled up to go be a bold witness, right? It's where it starts. And it's worship, it's dwelling. So when we dwell with the Lord, we come to him, we seek him, we, we worship him, we praise him for who he is, thank him for what he's done, we surrender our will to him. He gives us a glimpse of his glory, a taste of his grace, and then we're out making bold invites. And so I hope you had opportunity this week to, to just follow his lead in that. I heard a story that I must share of a bold invite, a Jesus follower lit up with the love of Christ, making a bold invite. And it was Kathy Jo Scholl shared the moment several years ago that she was at a Pampered Chef convention with her sister. And it was a room full of people like this. And the speaker said, does anyone have a story you want to share? And Kathy hand shoots up. And her sister's like, put your hand down. And uh, Kathy's like, no, I want to share this story. And they call, the speaker called on her. So she comes mar- marching up, cranks the mic down. And she said, started to paint the picture of our town square five years ago at the fair on the square where she was in that nervous but excited moment of launching a new business pampered chef and she had her booth and she was talking to people well a couple ladies in the golden season of life had talked to her well they circled back around her at the end of the day and they said we want to throw you a party and she said uh well what do you want you know when you throw a party you you get something for your kitchen they said we don't need anything else for our kitchen honey we're fine we want to throw you a party because we know people. And so we'll invite all our friends. And uh, sure enough, they threw a party of parties. It was her first party, Pampered Chef. This lady had her grandson out in the front lawn directing traffic. I mean, the house was packed. Cars filled the yard. Out of that party, three other parties launched. And today, five years later, Kathy Jo Scholl's Pampered Chef business is up and running, thriving. Well, guess who that lady was? who said, we want to throw you apart. Total stranger. The same lady who's been soundtracking Psalm 100 since she was a third grader, Bev Eubank. Isn't that awesome? Had the initiative, took the initiative, bold invite, hey, come to my house. It was for that party, but that's how she's living. And it was funny this week, (laughs) I'm, I'm rabbit trailing, but I called Bev and I said, hey, can I come visit you this afternoon? And she said, actually, no. This afternoon's not a good time. I have something at 2.30 and something at 4. She's out doing stuff. She's in the rehab center, but uh, I guarantee she's busy sharing the love of Christ. All right. So that's uh, where we've been. Now, here's where we're going. Today is about connect. God created us to connect in loving relationship. Back Back to the, the start in Genesis, we see it. It's one of the primary ways we reflect his, his image as, a, as relational beings, but also that we reflect his glory as we connect, as he's created us to, to connect and uh, display his glory in that. Enjoy him and enjoy each other in that. We were created to connect. It's why we long to belong. It's why we have a, a club for everything. It's, it's, I think we would all agree. We don't need to belabor that point. We also know we struggle to connect, don't we? We are, say, why is that? And, and we all know it, it's we are selfish creatures at the core. It's our fallen sinful nature or our, the, the fallen human condition that we find ourselves in. We hurt each other. 
we get hurt, we put up defenses, we hide, we, we put up shells, and, and we struggle to connect in loving relationship, reflecting the glory of God and, and doing life together. So how do we connect? And we are going, God has a word on it, and we're, we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 4, one of the, just a, a precious portion of scripture, but it's Ephesians 4 verse 1. And if you would join me there, we'll, we'll be dancing about in Ephesians, but we'll, we'll hang out in this chapter, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So he immediately raises the question here, what's the calling that he's talking about? Now, this is the point in the book where Paul turns from doctrine to duty or from from uh, you know, informing us of our identity to calling us into action, to, to act in light of that identity. But what's the calling that, that we've received? And just to review, if you turn one page back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, here's the first part of the calling. It says, but because of his, God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And so we know God called us to new life by his grace. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. But it goes on, not only have we been given new life, verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's called us into a life of doing good. But there's more. He's called us to do this together. Verse 18, he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also God's also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined and, and joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit profound that as we connect together we become the dwelling place of God as we share life together so he's called us into a family to become in a way his his dwelling place as we um, connect together and what's the purpose of our family or of our as we join together ultimately it's there in verses chapter 3 verse 20 and 21, he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in our gathering, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. So this is the calling that, that we've been called into through Christ. When we come to Christ, new life, to do good works, to team together as a family, ultimately to bring glory to God. So then it raises the next question, or, or Paul um, speaks into what's it look like to live out this calling? If this is the calling that we've been given, and we're called to live worthy of it. What exactly does that look like? And here we move into verses 2 and 3. Check this out. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. So that with all humility, Humility is, is not being a doormat. It's thinking more of others than you think about yourself. So thinking more about the people with whom God has placed in our lives 
and gentle. Now, gentle is power under control. It's not weakness. It's like the horse that's been powerful horse, but now the horse will allow a rider to sit on its back. This is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the, a description of Christ. It's, it's a, 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 one of the qualifications for being a leader in the body of Christ. Gentle, but then he says, be patient, bearing with each other in love. So really putting up with each other. Patient is the idea of long-tempered. <laughs> um, bearing with each other as you do life together. And then the next phrase, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So here are the ideas, make every effort. is to be eager, to be anxious, to be like dog going after a bone, to keep the unity. So this is, unity is not something we create. God already created it. He's, when we come to Christ, we are one with each other. Our goal is to, to keep it, to protect it, to preserve it through the bond of peace. This is the peace that, that, that Christ has, the uh, scripture that Wes referenced, Colossians chapter 3, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And so it's pursuing peace. Being peacemakers is the means through which we keep, keep this unity. So to let this soak in, this is profound. How do we live up to the calling that we've received? The primary way that we live up to the calling that God's given us as his kids plays out in relationship. Isn't that interesting? It's not about this quiz that we take at Scripture Knowledge or even about going out and doing great things. It's, it's how we connect with each other. Completely humble, gentle, bearing with each other in love, maintaining the unity of the Spirit. This is how we, we live up to our calling. He goes on and says, okay, let me remind you who you are in verse four. Answers that question, okay, who are we as we come together? Verse four, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. So two sets of three plus one, and they, they form, they cluster together. There's one body, the body of Christ. And one spirit, and the Holy, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who empowers us, animates the body of Christ, he's the one that's nudging us to go this way, that way, convicting us, teaching us, all that he does. Just as you are called to one hope. And what's our one hope? The king coming back. With what? His inheritance. It's what he prays for in Ephesians chapter 1, that our eyes would be open to the, the hope that we have in Christ, the riches of our, the, the riches of our inheritance. And then he goes into the, the creed, really, of, of our salvation. One Lord, we come to Christ as we confess him as our Lord, that he is the Son of God and died for our sin. One faith, this is the, the core of the gospel, and then one baptism. Baptism is the initiation right into the body of Christ, into the family of God. And then sitting at the head of our table, our family table, he reminds us, and this is the Christian version of the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6, 4, in the, under the Old Covenant, New Covenant, we have one Father who is transcendent above us all, but also imminent with us in every way. And he's at the, the head of the table. Who are we? We are one body 
the body of Christ. This is who we are, core to our identity. But then Paul shifts to begin explaining, okay, so what about my job and, and your job as individuals? How does this all work together? And ultimately, who are we becoming as the body of Christ? As he goes on in verse 7, he says, but to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, he's quoting Psalm 68. It's the picture of a king who's victorious, and he's picturing post when Christ defeated death and sin, and, and he, uh, he ascended with, it's a picture of a king coming back into town with captives and, and giving gifts. And we know as the Lord ascended, he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit, and with the gift of the Spirit, the gifts that empower us to, to serve each other. He goes on a bit of a rabbit trail that we won't get into details today, but verse 9, he says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? I think this means he's referring to the incarnation. He descended here to earth, and then he also, he goes on with verse 10, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay, verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets. We, we read earlier, the apostles and prophets laid the foundation for the church. Through, they, we received the scripture through them. They, um, they helped birth the church. But then the, and also the evangelist. An evangelist is someone who's gifted to take the good news out and share that. And then equip us to, to do the same in our lives and then pastors and teachers, and these are the ones who care for the church and help the church grow and, and thrive spiritually. Verse 12 says, okay, Christ gave us these leaders to equip his people for works of service. So what's the job of a pastor and a teacher? Is it to do all the ministry? No, it's to equip the members of the body to do the ministry. And together, we're, we're all doing it. So that the body of Christ, church family, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, that's the word teleon, fit, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Now, what's it going to look like when we become mature what, what's, and as we're unified and, and fit as, as we should be as the body of Christ? Here it is, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their de deceitful scheming. So this is that picture of a little kid in the waves, you know, that just gets tossed in the ocean. But what, what do we get tossed by? What's the danger? That we would drift from our faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So a couple years ago, we went through the Jesus Is series, and we hit the six things we need to know about who is Jesus, the knowledge of the Son of God, and hopefully we all have these cold. He is fully God, the deity of Christ. He is fully human, the incarnation, took on humanity. He is our Savior. He died on the cross for our sin. He rose again the third day, and he offers eternal life to everyone who believes he is our defender. He, he stands guard over his people. He cares for us, but he defends us. And what's he doing right now? He's building his church. 
He's, uh, he said, I will build my church, and nothing is going to stop it. And what do we know about the future? He is coming again. He's preparing a place for us. We'll be with him. And so we, we stand. Um, we, we know these things, we, and we help each other remember them so that we're not tossed when someone would say something that would contradict this truth. But then check out verse uh, 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So who are we becoming? What what's God's intention for us as a faith community? As we connect in loving relationships, we are becoming the mature body of Christ. You, uh, maturity or fitness is possible for us, and that's our, that's our goal. How does it happen? Now, this is where it gets neat. Jesus, through his Spirit, gives each one of us a gift of grace to share with each other. And as we connect in loving relationship and we share that grace, and it looks different for all of us, but as we're faithful to share that grace, speaking the truth in love we build one another up, we become one, and then what happens when we're one? We become strong to accomplish what he's called us to do. We are his, the body of Christ here on earth. We're, we're powerful to do what, what he's doing here on earth as we become one unit, working together. So right here is where we're like, all right, I got it. Let me form my list. Here's the action steps coming out of this, this passage. Here we go. Action steps number one, live up to my calling. And we go to verse two, two to three and say, okay, I got to be gentle, completely humble, uh, patient, bearing with each other in love, and eager to keep the unity of the Spirit, peacemaker on mission. Here we go. Number two, I've got to remember my identity, who, who I am. I'm part of a body, part of a unit. I've got to connect and, and play the part. That's number three, play my part with passion. So I've got to ask, Lord, what grace have you given me? Now, how can I share it with somebody today? And we go out playing our part. We've got the jersey on. Now we're in the game, out of the stands, onto the field. And then fourth, I need to be speaking the truth in love. So where it all went bad was back in the garden when the devil twisted truth. So as I do life and I hear twisted truth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the truth boldly, but in love. So kind, patient, all those things that, that love is. I'll, I'll filter it, but, but I'm going to speak it. And we go. Is that how we become one? Unified. To go do, do what God's called us to do and live up to our calling. Well, as I read the text this week and just soaked in 1 to 16, there were two words that came jumping off the page and went all caps on me. And they're found in verse 16. From him. Verse 16, verse 16, are we there? My thingy isn't, sorry, skip it, <laughs> thank you, man, man, you're a good brother, <laughs> from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. This isn't a command. 
This is a statement of reality that should shape our priority. How do we become one? How do we be, become humble and gentle and loving? And how does any of this happen? Do you see the two words? There is only one way that we will unite, become one, and do what God's called us to do. And it is from Him. It goes back to one thing. Why? Because He's the head. And with the body metaphor, if you get a piece of part of the body that disconnects from the head, what happens? It atrophies, dies, becomes useless. But if you get every different piece of the body staying connected to the head, one thing, to dwell in the presence of the head, to get marching orders from the head, to stay connected to the head, then the body operates with beautiful harmony, orchestration, coordination to accomplish whatever mission it is the body's been given to accomplish. Isn't that cool? So bringing it home, making it practical. When you are in a season of conflict with anyone, with your wife, husband, kids, family, friends, small group, ministry team leaders, what's our first move? Break out list one to four. Okay, I got to be gentle. I got to be humble. I got to be one, two. No. The first move is one thing, to connect to the head. To enter his presence, fix our eyes on him, and worship. Right? Because from him, it all holds together. So when you have Paul wrote the letter of Philippians for several purposes, one of them was to help two ladies get along, Euodice and Syntyche. Chapter 4, they're in conflict. Never has happened in our church, two ladies out of a fellowship, but it did for them. <laughs> and so what's the first thing he tells them? He's like, tell, he's telling us, the guy is writing to, hey, please work with these ladies, help them get together. They're both followers of Christ. First thing he tells him, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. What is that? It's a call to worship. Fix your eyes on the Lord. And then the next thing he says is, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Dwell. Remember the Lord's with you. And so what I'd like to do is give you a prayer that's been so helpful for, for me, and I pray it personally for my own heart, but also anytime we enter a conflict situation, if you go to your family's in conflict and you're not one, huddle the team and pray this prayer together as you begin to discuss the issue. And here's the prayer, and I've taken it from a guy named Pastor Oliver Price down in Dallas. I've tweaked it a little bit, but it's this. Three parts to it. The first part is just thank the Lord for his presence with us. He is near, and worship him. So, Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us right now. We fix our eyes on you. We rejoice in you. Thank you for making us one, and just worship him. The second part is bring us into harmony with your will and one another. This is remembering that our identity is he's made us one. So, Lord, right now we're out of harmony. We're out of your will, so bring us into harmony with one another, but, but with your will, with your will and one another, the revealed will of the word. And then the third part is really important, that each person in that circle of conflict prays, change me to be more like you. Now in conflict, what are we often worried about? The other person. And anytime we get our eyes on that other person, the enemy's winning that day. But when we start saying, the problem in this problem is not them, it's me. 
then unity starts to happen. That's what humility looks like. Lord, change me. And then um, unity can, can flow out of that. Okay. How do we, as incredibly complex, unique, broken, quirky people, connect in loving relationships to become one and do what God's called us to do? And it's the big idea of the day is one thing unites us, and it's him. From him, the body is joined, um, joined together and grows itself up in love. So our goal today is really to unite as the body of Christ as we pursue one thing together, whatever that may look like for you. But as we, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment, but we'd just like to cast the vision of the beauty of the body of Christ when, when we are working together, what's the one thing that happens? When we are one, what's God doing through his body today and in real time? And if you could boil it down to a couple words, but if, I, if you could pick one word, it would be salvation. You could say reconciliation. You could say redemption and restoration. But when the body works together, salvation happened. People are coming to new life in Christ. Jesus came to bring us life. He left us with this mission. And the way we do it is together. And when we're operating together, it happens. And there's a really neat story that I, I get, we're excited to share today. The, the story of Rachel Ladd. And we have a... Our women's ministry, appreciate Tam and the leadership team, a number of ladies lead all these ministries. One of the most exciting is a ministry that's a discipleship ministry, mentoring ministry that connects ladies um, together in discipling or mentoring relationships where we have over 70, and Kelly Hassler leads this. So Lori Brown said, I will be part of this ministry, and Rachel Ladd said, I'd like to have a mentor, and so connected them up. Well, Rachel um, had not yet accepted Christ as as her Savior. And so just a bit of, she shares, before Christ, my life was like this. I never thought I was good enough. A lot of things weren't working for me on a continual basis. I knew things were bad, but I did them anyway. told myself, well, it's not that bad. No true conviction of, of my sin. And here's the biggie. Conflict with my family, with my kids. um, we were not getting along. We felt like we were not fighting on the same side. Not in a good place with God, was not spending time with him. But then she shares her journey to, uh, to receive Christ as Savior. She says, I heard the gospel multiple times over several weeks, and I kept feeling nudged to do something. One Sunday, another person in my small group shared a sin, small group, so she's connecting with group of people, authentic, shared a sin issue that was in their life, and I realized I'm not the only one who struggles. I talked with my mentor, Lori Brown, about what I was thinking and feeling, and we read several verses about the gospel and salvation. And I took them home, and I read them to think about more. Another friend from a, the small group gave me more verses to read. Reading through them, I felt like I was, um, it was time to stop reading and talking about it and do something with it. At the same time, my mentor was saying, you have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. About a week later, Tyson 
gave a strong gospel message. It was Palm Sunday, and I was not able to hear the message, but I caught it on Thursday um, when the message was downloaded onto our church website, and Abby um, downloaded that message. So Tyson um, gives a message. God gifted him to do Abby, doing her role, downloads that. I listened to my message on my way home, and my mentor asked that night if I'd heard it. So here you have a mentor making bold steps of, of uh, hey, how's it going? Loving her, being with her. I told her what I'd heard and that I was thinking, and she kept asking um, what I was going to do about it. We read Romans 10, 9, and 10 describing how to be saved, which is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And she said, I decided I was ready to do what these verses said. We talked a little about how to pray, and then I prayed and, and said, I believe in Jesus, and I wanted him to be my Savior, to rule over my life, and that I could not do it myself. I said that I needed help being a mom and loving my children, and I knew that, that he loved my kids even more than I did. Then she writes this, the next day was Good Friday. Now my favorite holiday is Easter. Since my divorce and becoming a single mom, I tend to struggle with holidays, but I feel Easter is a time to look forward to because of what Jesus did for me, even when I was dead in my sin. But now I can walk with him every day and grow to be more like him. I am able to make changes easier in my life, knowing what he wants for my life. I'm realizing spending time with Jesus is essential. Dwell, one thing. I, and it impacts my days a lot when I pray, read his word, and are around others who can speak truths into my life. My, now here, cool deal, circling back to, to how do we connect in loving relationships? My relationship with my kids and my family is getting better, and communication is more open. So neat to sit down with Rachel and hear her story and hear her share on where she said I was, was one moment she was really scared she was going to move. And uh, as a single mom, how is she going to get all the stuff from here to there? And her small group, we have a picture of her small group, shows up. Rachel's right here at the table. Small, she said they show up with trucks and trailers and they, it all happened. That's the body of Christ. Now, how many people have played a part, shared grace in this, this journey? Women's ministry, leadership team got together and planned, what if we had a discipleship ministry? Kelly Hassler raised her hand and said, okay, I'll lead that. Lori Brown said, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Then you get the small group. Then you get uh, Mindy and Brian Duckett who start Life Steps on Wednesday night to help people just take first steps in life when they're going through a hard time. You get Bo and Rachel Humphrey who say, we'll go be with people on Wednesday night. They get paired with Rachel as her ally in taking just simple life steps. And then you get Tyson doing what God called him to do, preaches a message with the gospel. Abby, download. Isn't it awesome? It's his body. The power... I, and, I, man, I, would, I got this sensation this summer, sitting in a church. I'm back there in a pew, and I'm thinking it was a church thriving. And I thought the most powerful force on the planet right now is the body of Christ. Because it's not just us. It's all over this world. Jesus is building his church. The, the Holy Spirit's orchestrating it. And, yeah, there are churches that are messed up. 
the, the way they get messed up is they take their eyes off Jesus. And what happens to those churches? They die within a generation. All the members of that body scatter to other churches that are healthy, and the church goes on. It's not, not dependent upon any one local fellowship, is it? And, and what's cool is it just, his life and his love is flowing through us. As we connect in loving relationships, keeping our eyes on him, one thing unites us, it's him. Isn't that awesome? We get to be a part of it. So this summer was with, uh, had the opportunity to get away, to dwell with him and just focus on him for four days as in a time of uh, solitude and prayer up in Michigan. Went to South Haven, uh, lined up a, a reasonable Airbnb about five miles there from like beautiful setting. And Tam was going to go with me, but at the last minute she had to pass to do some stuff at home. So it was just me and the Lord. So I was excited, had my books, my Bible, and first two days were awesome. Third day, something happened that has never happened on a prayer retreat. And I go on these once a year and caught me off guard at first. And it was, I became intensely homesick for home and for my family and for my, specifically my, my girl. <laughs> so I went to the lake, Michigan, beautiful body of water, thinking I'll, I'll be here with the Lord with my Bible. All I could think about is that's just a big old mud puddle without her sitting next to me. And I'm, I, my, initi- my initial feeling was guilt. Come, Lord, I'm sorry that I'm not content in this moment with you. You're the treasure. And then I heard him whisper, hey, John, remember who you are? You're a human. You remember what I said about humans in Genesis 2? It's not good for him to be alone. I created you to do life with people, other people of God, friends, and this girl that I gave you in this season of your life. Now, marriage is not the ideal season. The ideal season is whatever season we're in with him, but marriage is a gift for a season to experience that intimacy. And right now, she's, she's a treasure. I said, I know, Lord. Can I leave? <laughs> I still have a day, but I don't want to go to sleep one more night without her and seeing my family. And he said, get out of here. And can I tell you, I packed up my stuff like a middle school boy on the last day of school. (laughs) It was in the whole way home, I just had a smile on my face. I'm going home. I get to go be with my girl, my family, and my community. And I was missing you guys too, being away from the church. And then it hit me on that way home The gift of oneness that we feel right here is but a taste of what he's preparing for us. When we cross over to heaven's shores and we see him face to face and we are one with each other for eternity. (laughs) Man, it just, you talk about a beautiful future, but what a gift, you guys, to, to have this now. And I, I want it, whatever your next step is today, maybe it's to enter into a, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and to be at peace with him. Would you take that step today, receive the good news, trust Christ as, as Rachel did. She's going to be baptized today. Maybe that's your step, to take that step of baptism. <clears throat> Excuse me, baptism is that initiation right, saying I, I want to be part of this family publicly. Maybe your next step is just to pursue one thing. You're in conflict with someone, and it's just to come back and rejoice in him and then go out 
to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Maybe your one thing is to be a peacemaker within the body. I know there's a number of you who you're in the battle with a, a marriage or with someone else helping reconcile. And I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord. Remember Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God, sons and daughters of God. When you're seeking peace, helping people reconcile, the Father's looking at you saying, that's my boy, that's my girl. Maybe it's you're sensing some disunity. Someone's talking trash about the body of Christ. Maybe another church or maybe our church, and God's nudging you just to speak truth in love. Say, hey, this is his body. Um, if you're not part of the solution, stop talking. We need to build each other up. Whatever it is, may I encourage you, take that step. And uh, let's see what God's going to do in us and through us as, you, as we unite. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And Jesus, we thank you that it's from you we connect with each other. And we fix our eyes on you today and just praise you. We love you. Thank you for the life that we have with you. But thank you that we're not alone in this. You put us in a family of brothers and sisters, and, and it's your love that beats in our hearts for each other. Thank you for each person you brought to this faith family, Lord, and I pray this year you would make us one as we dwell in your presence and then send us out as a unified team to uh, just do and be whatever you would have us do and be to, in, those, in the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.